Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. And I'm Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are discussing different ways to make money in the music industry. So there are plenty of jobs that you can take just within the music industry. Mm -hmm. So we're going to break it down into music-related jobs and non-music-related jobs. So let's just get started. So yeah. the most profitable, arguably, uh, way to make money as a musician is through live performance and gigs. Arguably. <laughs> arguably. <laughs> that's that's the key word there. Yeah. Um, if you do it in a, you know, arena kind of setting, if you can make it, build it up to be that kind of that level of performance. I mean, the the profits are huge. Yeah. In the, yeah, totally. <laughs> in the live performance industry. if you industry. own your stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> for most working musicians, the profits are not so great. Yeah. Um, so, Dustin, <laughs> you've been performing for several years. What is kind of your take on live performance as a way to make money? Um, well, I mean, it, it is honestly a, a decent way to do so, um, especially like for me, honestly, it, it's actually like 50 percent, if not more of my average income anyway. Um, but that's through often being like a, a backing uh, sideman, right? A backing musician um, for other artists. Um, so, you know, rates can kind of get uh, cloudy in this industry um, and in this particular aspect of it because, um, you know, not everybody has a lot of money to pay their musicians, but at the same time, you you have to value your work and value yourself. Um, so, you know, if you're like a solo artist, like let's say performing an acoustic gig, um, at least in, in my experience, it's anywhere from like 200 to 300 bucks that you can probably get at like a four hour, you know, maybe 150. It depends. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. I would say 150 to 300 is pretty average, at least in the Atlanta area where we live. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of the same for like if you're being hired to play for somebody as well. It really just depends. Um, you know, some places pay you off of a door deal. So um, basically what that means is uh, you don't get like a guaranteed amount from the venue uh, when you when you sign your performance contract. You basically get a percentage of the ticket sales. So sometimes it's 80 percent. Sometimes it's 70% and sometimes it's 100%. It really just kind of depends on the venue um, and like what other stuff they offer. If they're a bar, um, you're more likely to get some kind of guarantee. Um, so, you know, at, at like a um, an Irish pub, for example, that's where that 150 to 300 number might come in. Um, but, you know, if you're if you're doing a ticketed event, then you're going to you're going to make a percentage of the door. And then some places will also give you a percentage of the bar past a certain amount so you know yeah it definitely depends on like your your leverage and your negotiating power as far as what you can kind of get i would say if you're totally new to live performance definitely um obviously you're not going to have that much leverage in in a negotiation so don't be um offended if you can't get um what you feel like you deserve which is, yeah. you know, it's just the way that the, it kind of goes. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would say if you're playing original music, that generally is less profitable um, because, you know, it's less profitable for the bar or venue in general because most people aren't going to know your songs, especially right. at first. So, you know, they may they're not going to be dancing and singing along and um, that kind of thing. So for the bar, I mean, the main idea for bars and venues is generally to sell alcohol. So yep. you're basically just entertainment to sell alcohol, <laughs> which sucks, but it's true. It's the truth. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, obviously like covers are going to sell more alcohol because people are going to know the songs. They're going to be dancing to the songs, yep. that kind of thing. So, um, for original music, it's a lot harder. Um, but you're also playing usually for a lot less time with original music. Right. So you've got like a 30, 45, sometimes hour long set. Um, 
so so you know of course you're not going to make usually like 1500 bucks as a band yeah. during for a 45 minute set yeah for sure. at, at least at first you know and you can kind of grow um once you kind of make a name for yourself in that specific market um you can um kind of leverage you know you can say like oh well the last time we played this venue we brought a hundred people so we definitely deserve to get a you know a f- better rate or cut of the bar maybe uh usually i will say though they don't love giving cuts of the bar so that would be yeah. like a high leverage power um that would be for like an artist that's doing pretty well right um right. but in my experience too doing solo performances definitely makes more money for you yeah. as an individual just because you don't have to pay people yeah um so i kind of do both i i try to keep both in my in my calendar um, because I love playing with a band and I love playing original music, but it's usually not sustainable. Like it, it's not enough to pay bills. Yeah. You sure. usually end up losing money, at least at first in my experience. And then once you kind of build up your brand and in your band, you can kind of start, start actually profiting. But yeah, don't and expect that at first. One thing too, and, and we'll probably talk about this more later as, as a stream of revenue. Um, but Part of playing live gigs uh, is selling merchandise too, so T-shirts and you know bandanas or stickers or something like that, CDs. Um, that can factor into the money that you make at a gig because even somebody who's never seen you before, if you put on a show that they really enjoy, they're much more inclined to want to buy a T-shirt and to support what you're doing. Um, so you know, it's definitely something if if you're if you want to be serious about it, especially when it comes to original stuff. Uh, it's something you want to try to get into relatively quickly is, is starting to put together your brand and therefore, you know, your merchandise that, that can support that brand. Yeah. Well. Merchandise is huge. Um, so the, the bigger venues though, will usually take a cut of merch sales. Like mm-hmm. once you start getting, they call them hall fees or, you know, different places call them different things, but they will take a cut of your merchandise depending on the size of the venue. So that kind of sucks. But I will say, I mean, merch is a great way to make money, but it's also a lot of overhead money. Yeah. So, um, you know, just be smart about it. Don't go in and buy like 500 vinyl albums because that's like $4,000 and like it's going to take you a while to sell 500 vinyl albums. So, you know, be smart about it. Um, You know, Fine. Know your market too. I will say with merch, like, you know, kind of know who your targeted market is. So, so for example, kind of where I'm going with this is, um, if you, if your primary demographic, right, is teenage girls, get a bunch of small and medium shirts, right? I'm Mm -hmm. not saying don't get large, extra large, two X, three X, but like, don't get like 500 or like a hundred two X shirts. If like your target demographic is like a 17 year old girl, like, you know, be smart about that too. And that sometimes takes time to like grow, but generally you can kind of gauge your audience with what kind of music you're creating. Yeah. 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 For sure. If you're self-aware and, and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was just (laughs) some advice because I've messed. It really sucks to have like, 40 2x tank tops like sitting around that nobody will buy yeah totally. and i've done totally. it a lot so i'm mm-hmm. just giving it as some unsolicited advice yeah no, i think it's good advice <laughs> totally totally um so yeah live performance can be a huge money maker for musicians and generally like in the music industry as a whole that so i'm including like huge artists it's one of the most reliable ways Yes. To make money. Yes, definitely. Um, because, you know, you, you have the gig, you schedule the gig, you plan the gig, you make merchandise, you play the gig, you sell merchandise, you <laughs> yep. get paid. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's it's very like organized and orchestrated. So it, it's definitely um, more reliable than some of the other things that we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the next one would be being kind of a work for hire musician and doing recordings, which session work is is how we're going to kind of categorize that, yeah. which is Dustin's specialty. <laughs> so so tell us about it, Dustin. Um, well, okay. I mean, I don't know if I would say it's my, my specialty, but um, I do it a lot. Um, so the thing with uh, session work, um, and, and this actually, I mean, applies to pretty much anything we're going to talk about, is you need to be very self-organized and like um, you need to kind of have your, your shit together. 
especially your calendar. Um, because, you know, stuff can come in quickly and you can lose track and double book yourself, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, point is, um, what's great about session work is that it's kind of one of those things where, you know, somebody needs a bass player for gig or, or generally sessions refer to the studio. So let's talk studio. Um, you know, somebody will hit you up and say, Hey, I, I need some bass on this track. Um, you know, what are your rates? Um, you know, what do you provide? And so you kind of have to determine that on your own because there really isn't a great industry standard. I mean, in the musicians union, if you're, if you're a part of the union, um, which I am not, um, I think it's like standard is like a hundred dollars an hour. Um, that's kind of like the, the going rate for a lot of places. And obviously that's going to vary depending on where in the country you are. Like it's probably not a hundred dollars an hour in LA. It's probably more like, you know, for sure. Probably. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, that's my guess. So, um, it's also, it's one of those things where you need to be a very versatile musician. So you need to, to be comfortable with a lot of styles, uh, genres, uh, a lot of different ways of playing your instrument. Um, now, that doesn't mean that there isn't room for being a metal session guitar player. I mean, there are people who just need a, a metal guitar player and, and you are going to find work doing that. But it's definitely a little bit more of a limited genre. So you might not find as much if you uh, only focus on that. Whereas if you could do that plus jazz, plus rock, plus R&B um, and hip hop, especially like more modern stuff like like country, R&B and hip hop um, that are that are kind of the biggest genres um those are the ones that i would say you want to be familiar with you know how 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 do you play hip-hop bass how do you play country bass how do you play uh country guitar you know um because it is very particular uh in the technique and the tone um so i would say it's it's really important to be a um very, very knowledgeable about your craft and about your instrument in particular um, but it can be, it can be good money. And what's really cool is nowadays, um, it's really easy to have a home studio set up and it doesn't need to be extensive. Like you can, you can have a laptop, a two channel interface and a pair of headphones and you're good to go. If you can capture a, a nice, strong DI signal, again, I'm, I'm talking, I guess specifically for bass, but even for guitar, a lot of guitar stuff now is done through, um, digital VSTs which for those of you who don't know are, are just digital amps um, instead of like miking up an amplifier and, and having to watch for phasing and all this other stuff. It's just like, nope, here you go. Here's the DI, put it in whatever program or, or VST you like and you're good to go. Um, so you could do a lot of that from home. So, you know, in between gigs, in between other jobs, you're maybe you're nine to five, you can come home and do a couple hours worth of sessions um, and there's a lot of ways to, to kind of get into that as far as promotion. I mean, obviously you can create ads on Instagram or TikTok or something. Um, or, you know, for me, it's honestly been mostly word of mouth. Um, just like friends who know people who know people who know people. Um, but, uh, it's, it's fun to do. Um, but again, back to the responsibility thing, you definitely have to be very self-motivated and, um, you know, even though let's say you do a remote session, it doesn't mean that people are going to give you a lot of time to get it done. Sometimes they need it that night and they need it right away. So you kind of have to be ready to just like jump into it and make it happen. Um, and often, you know, you may find yourself bouncing from session to session in one day. So, you know, that's something you need to consider too, is, is you're, you're, if you're really serious about it and you get good at it and you get, you know, your name out there, um, you might find yourself very busy and it can sometimes detract from maybe some other personal projects that you want to do, but you know, that's kind of just part of the balancing act of it. But yeah. Yeah. I would say session work. Um, I would definitely agree. It's mostly word of mouth. And because of that, it's not going to be like, unless, until you build it up, it's not going to be like steady income in my experience. It's very much just like, oh, cool. Like I got a few extra hundred bucks this month. Like, right, right. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's not, unless you really 100% dedicate yourself to it, it's not going to be as lucrative as some of these other, um, other income revenue streams that mm -hmm. we're going to talk about. Um, it, cause in my experience, at least like it's very much just kind of one off, like 
the artist has to have something for you to to do yeah. the session work for. And, right. you know, not all artists are creating stuff constantly. So it, it's it's very um, kind of here and there kind of work. Yeah. And and actually, one other thing, too, that, that I forgot to mention um, that is important for session work is um, that generally, I mean, every once in a while you might negotiate something, but generally you're not going to have rights to the part, right? So like you're, you're being hired to do a job. It's like, you're kind of like a plumber, right? A plumber comes in, you pay them to do the job. They fix your pipes and they go home. They don't now own rights to like your part of your mortgage, right? They don't have like rights to, to the investment of your house. And it's the same thing with, with being a session musician as you go in, you play the part, um, and that's it. And you go home. And, you know, some, for some people, that's great. I, I actually like that because uh, I can kind of have like a bit of a detachment from the art sometimes and I can just kind of treat it like a job. Um, but, you know, some people may, may have an issue with that if they feel like super um, connected to everything they create. So keep that in mind, too. If- I mean, and that kind of depends, too. Like there is a way... Um- so, so you could just be like work for hire session musician. And if that's your agreement, that's your agreement. There is a way for you to um, get like a little bit of like a percentage of like a performance royalty mm. for the master right. recording. But in America, like that's not that lucrative, like on like radio, like it's terrestrial radio. So I'm not talking about like internet radio, just like the radio in your car. Mm-hmm. Like even if, um, that song is played a hundred times a day on the most popular radio station in your city, like, or in the country, let's just say in the country, in the U S um, radio doesn't pay um, for master recordings. So yeah. you're not going to make any money off of it, right. which sucks. <laughs> but I mean, it is what yeah. it is. Like the songwriters make money, but the session musicians don't. So yeah. kind of keep that in mind too. Like, even if you have a percentage, unless there's a, licensed use of that recording you're not gonna really that i wouldn't look at that as being like a solid revenue stream for you you know what i mean um so yeah session musicians um can make a lot of money and there are some really really um famous session musicians that work for studios specifically Mm -hmm. usually or like they're the go-to guy for that studio or record label right and they do you know, very well for themselves. But if yeah. you're just kind of doing it one off, it's not, it's not very lucrative. It's not going to be the only thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay. So then we have teaching music. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We both do this. Yes, we do. Um, it can be fun. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it totally depends, you know, yeah. um, I, I enjoy it because I, I like to see people kind of grow and, and learn about music. And mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about like, certain things so I like like exposing people to things that I think are cool you know what I mean like techniques and and different styles of music and um it can be this is probably honestly one of the most reliable um sources of revenue that we're gonna talk about yeah because I mean it's kind of like live performance in that it's scheduled and um usually really consistent Like, like every week right you've got that same lesson every week Right. So, um, you know, that can be a really great way to kind of um, make some money Um, to get into it. I mean, you can work for a facility, you know, like, um, yeah, like Guitar Center, School of Rock, uh, lessons facilities are all over the place, honestly, Mm -hmm. uh, for music lessons. Um, So you can take it that way or you can kind of market it yourself. Um, I do private Zoom lessons um, with people every week as well as working at a facility and you know, that's kind of its own thing. Um, I've kind of set it up to try to be competitive with facilities, Yeah, you know, cause obviously like in person is, is the preferred way for a lot of people. Yeah. You yeah, know what I for mean? Sure, so, for sure. um, I try to make it a little cheaper and I record all of our lessons and upload them to like an unlisted YouTube so that they can go back and watch them. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Mm. So I, thanks. <laughs> so I do that just to like say like, well, you know, this way you can go back and rewatch it and like learn right. again. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think like finding kind of a specific way to market that can, can really be beneficial. Um, but I would say the easiest way would be to find a facility. 
at least to get started. Yeah. If you've never done it before, um, what's cool about working for a facility is um, that they often will handle all the booking for you, um, the marketing, so you don't have to like push yourself. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the time for, for most of these places, if like a lesson doesn't show up, you still get paid for that lesson versus a private lesson. If they don't, if they cancel on you or if you have to cancel it, I mean, it's done. You don't get paid for that. Um, the difference is that at least in my experience, I've found that you usually are going to make more money, um, doing the private stuff. Um, and I know you said you make your rates competitive, but like, I would say on average, um, anywhere from it really depends right but i would say most people are like 50 to 60 an hour for a lesson but then like if you have somebody who's like really highly educated maybe they're teaching like uh, a less common instrument like violin or something they might charge more like a hundred dollars an hour um so if you're if you're kind of a, like a classical teacher you might be able to make a little bit more but your clientele is probably also going to be smaller in number so it's kind of a trade-off um right you know. and you know kind of go into this with a pretty open mind because a lot of your students, like I would say the majority of them are going to be children. So yeah, we were just sure. talking earlier, you know, like I can't tell you how many times I've like worked on singing, like let it go from frozen <laughs> and right. stuff. You know what I mean? So like, you know, kind of go in with an open mind. If like working with kids is not your thing, um, t I wouldn't look into teaching because that's yeah. going to be the majority of your clientele. For sure. Um, you know, so just you know, you know thyself for this one. You know, if you hate teaching, if you're not a good teacher, if you hate children, then that's definitely, that's yeah. definitely like yeah. not going to be the job um, that you're going to want to take as a musician. I, I think too, like you also have to kind of evaluate your personal expectations for students because as you mentioned, a lot of your students will be children and for a lot of them, this is just another thing they have on their schedule, including their sports activity and their other after school activities and their homework and their hanging out with friends and stuff. So like you're not their priority most of the time. So, you know, obviously take it seriously and and show your passion and, you know, don't get lazy with it. But at the same time, like don't get upset if they're not going to be the student that's going to practice all the time and, and be like a professional someday. Cause chances are they're, they're not, you know, most people aren't going to do that and that's okay. Like you're still giving them a, the gift of music. You're giving them an opportunity to, to do something they can do for the rest of their lives, which is huge, but set your expectations. I think is a huge thing. Yeah. I mean, it can be kind of disappointing and trying at times, yep, <laughs> you, you know, sure. teaching because you, you really kind of put a lot of, of work into it. And, um, you know, it really is what they take out of it. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I agree. Set your expectations yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, and set them pretty low, honestly. And if they, they really enjoy it and really work hard, then that's great. But, um, you know, don't, don't push the, the subject. Yeah. Don't stress yourself out. Yeah. Most of the time they're not gonna, they're not gonna really care. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's okay. Yeah. You know, again, you know, it's an activity. Right. Right. Right, right, right. Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about is content creation. Woo, we're Ooh. in the internet age. <laughs> this one, this one really takes so much work and takes so long to actually make money. If yes. you ever make money, honestly, right? I would almost look at this one as more of like a marketing thing than a revenue stream. But yeah. we did want to talk about it because some artists really can make a lot from YouTube monetization yeah. and TikTok and all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, I would say, I mean, almost to be like that level of content creator, though, that has to be almost like your full time job. Like I would say you have to be like a full time musician slash content creator um, unless you have the money to like hire a team to help you with like editing, editing and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and filming and creative, maybe like a creative director. Cause I mean, it just takes so damn long to, to do. And it's, yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's, this one's probably my least favorite to do personally, just because it's, <sighs> it's exhausting and it, and it can be yeah. really defeating. Um, Cause I, I know I've had like, this experience and I'm sure you have too, where you'll spend hours putting together a video that you think is really cool. And it, it could be like a 60 second video of you playing something or teaching something or whatever. 
spend hours on it and you put it out and you get like, you know, 300 views or something. And, and then you never hear anything about it again. And then you can put up another video where you've spent no time at all and you'll get thousands and thousands of views. So it's, it's kind of, it's a crapshoot. There's a lot of um, algorithmic stuff to understand as far as like getting the, you know, the content out to people. And one thing I've heard, um, one of my favorite podcasts slash YouTubers um, is Scott uh, Divine from Scott's Bass Lessons. And they actually did an episode not too long ago in their podcast talking about uh, specifically content creation and how, and I totally agree with this, that they were saying like, if you want to get into content creation, do not get into it for the money because chances are you won't make any. If you do, great, but do it because you're passionate about whatever topic you want to talk about and you actually just want to like share information and have that little community that you build. Um, so I know that we're talking about revenue streams for this episode, but that doesn't mean that, that you should, I mean, let's be real guys. Like no one gets into music to make money. And if you do, then you should stop now <laughs> because it's not going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously there's, there's opportunity, like, you know, we make a living doing music. So what I'm, what I'm really getting at is like, don't, uh, use this as like, don't see this as just like a money-making opportunity, like see it as a way to express your passion. And if you can start making money doing it, that's awesome. But you know, don't depend on it. Um, but if, let's say you get into it. Okay. So let's say you have some success with your content. You start getting some views. How do you make money? Well, a lot of it's going to be like ad revenue. Um, you know, which, so if you're a YouTuber, you monetize your channel. So you, you know, you might start, uh, having ads that run in the middle of your episode or something for products that are related to, um, you know, what you're doing, like an ad that you might actually run, or it just might be like literally YouTube ads, um, you know, and yeah, those ads are annoying, but it's how those people are making money. Um, and, and, you know, things you might need to consider too with this is that if you do monetize your channel, you have to be a lot more careful about uh, copyright infringement. So if you're the kind of person who's like breaking down songs and like, you know, playing a so like the recording of an original song and then like talking about the part and how it was done or how you play it, um, you're not going to be able to use the original tune if you start monetizing. You're going to have to create the tracks yourself, which is a lot more time and energy and effort. So as, as you said, Melody, like this is probably one of the toughest when it comes to, to making a living. Um, and, and it's going to be a, an upward slog but that doesn't mean you can't do it you just have to be ready to do the work yeah i would say for me personally this one's kind of a soul sucker so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah you know like it's it's not something that i feel like i'm good at so it, you really like i agree I with you you have to be actually. like passionate about it to yeah. be like really good at content creation you have to like really really care about the content you're creating which mm -hmm. i'm not saying that i don't but it, going back to what we were talking about earlier it's so frustrating to like work your ass off on something and it get like 35 views and you're just like oh wow okay yep fuck you guys too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, then you get bitter and you get yeah, it becomes yeah, yeah. a whole thing it's, it's not good for your mental no health. it's not and that i i guess that's kind of where i'm going it's like mm -hmm. content creation can be really really hard on your mental health plus like and I've, you know, I've posted on YouTube. We talked about it in another video since I was like mm -hmm. 12. Right. Like people are so mean. Like, yeah, people you know, can be they're really always going to find a problem with something. Like no matter where you stand, somebody's going to hate it. Yeah. Like, for sure. you know what yeah. I mean? Just because like, you have like the wrong face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this week I made a video about one of the Hey Dreamer songs being like a female empowerment anthem. Mm -hmm. And like this whole like thread of people, it was like five or six people were saying that I said female too many times. And we're like... Oh, she has it unpacked from her childhood wow. that females are also called women. And like, it was seriously. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, like, what the fuck? Come <laughs> like, on, people guys. are just me. Yeah. So like this one is this one is tough because people are going to tear your content apart always. Like, I don't care if you're posting a 15 second video on TikTok. Yep. Somebody's going to hate it. So go in yep. with thick skin for this one, too. Mm -hmm. And most of those bad people, you go to their page and you'll see that they don't do content because people who do content don't want to fucking screw themselves over by being a dick to somebody else online. Right, 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 right. You know? So, you know, I mean, th this one's tough. I would say this one is definitely the toughest one. Yeah. But if it's something that you really 
um, are passionate about. And if you're an artist and really want to grow your brand, it's like almost essential. Yeah. Like, um, you know, but there's different approaches to it. I mm -hmm. would say be authentic about it. Um, go in with a thick skin and don't expect to make money off of it at right. first. Yeah. So um, that one's tough. But um, let's talk about another one that's <laughs> really tough, <laughs> um, but also uh, can be really reliable if if you do it s smartly and well. Yeah. So smartly. Song, <laughs> I that's like that. I know that's not a word. <laughs> no, it is now. I like it. <laughs> it's not a word. <laughs> Intelligently. There we go. And well. So um, songwriting. Right. So this one's really tough. Um, there are people who are just songwriters um, but generally yeah. like the people that I meet that do songwriting are also the artists. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, songwriting is kind of like not their main gig, but you, if you enjoy writing songs, like it can be your main gig, yeah. um, like Nashville row and all that kind of stuff. Um, so how you make money from songwriting, it's um, kind of twofold. So basically when you write a song, you own the copyright for that song. Right. And if you write a song with other people, they also own some of the copyright to that song. And if you have a publisher, they also own some of the copyright to that song. Yep. And where, yep. where this is important is kind of like the split of um, revenue. So with copywriting, there's there's two copyrights. Right. And we'll, we'll do a whole episode on this because it's a lot. But I yeah. just want to kind of give like an overview um, so there's the copyright for the song and then there's the copyright for the recording. So like what we were talking about earlier with like session musicians, they're not the songwriters. It, well, let's say that they're not. I mean, sometimes I guess they could be. But, sure, right. um, you know, like so they're on the recording copyright, which is the master. Mm -hmm. We're just going to call it that. Like you probably heard like artists say like they stole our masters or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. that's what they're talking about is like literally just like the recording of the song. And then there's the copyright for the song. So they're two totally different things. And um, songwriters can split copyrights a number of ways. And if you have a publisher, there's a number of different deals with publishers that you can have. And right. like I said, we'll talk about that in a different episode, but basically because you own the copyright or at least a part of it as a songwriter, Whenever that song is used, um, licensed, played, um, you're going to get um, some money from it. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> unless and, it's unless it's like really doing well, it's like pennies. But <laughs> Right. Yeah. Or, or it depends on the deal. Like because sometimes they'll pay you like an upfront license fee. Sure. Know, like yeah. 15 yeah. 15 grand or 100 grand for the use of this song in perpetuity, essentially. Right. And, and there are like sync licenses, which is, um, you know, a great way to That's make money stuff. as a songwriter. So sync licenses are basically just like putting a song to a visual medium. That's like the mm -hmm. general definition. But like. You know, commercials, movies, video games. Video games are a huge one. Yeah, nowadays especially. <laughs> some people like literally will give their song to a video game for free just to get the marketing yeah. from the video game. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of times video games just like dish out so much money because their budgets are huge. Yeah, yeah. If it's a big studio, <laughs> yeah. if it's not like an indie studio or something, I mean, right. you can make a lot. And, and every time like that video game is purchased, you're making money off of it. Yeah, so sync licensing can be huge. Um, I would say as a songwriter, it's probably like the most, um, I, want, I don't want to say reliable because, I mean, just owning a copyright gives you reliable income because right. literally anytime that song is streamed, you're going to get a little bit of something. Um, but because of, you know, streaming and digital everything um the money's not gonna be what it once was for songwriters for, for copyrights sure. like if we're thinking like let's just go back to like the 90s right mm -hmm. when cds were like everything right, right? and right. what what made that so profitable was that everybody was buying cds for albums that they already had so it yeah. wasn't just new yeah. music it was just like Look at my CD collection. Yeah, so, now I've got a CD of Led Zeppelin one, and right. not just a vinyl. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that was like huge. Like the '90s were like I think '99 was like the biggest year in music, and then it just Napster. in recorded music. <laughs> yeah, and then it in. just kind of went to shit. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, now like just doing songwriting, un unless your song blows up, I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be enough to like pay your bills. I guess is where I'm kind of going, like right. for streaming. For, for just like general, you know, copyright, it would have to be 
licensed in some way to really um, to make any money unless your song blows up. And actually, I'm, I'm, maybe you can uh, clarify this for me, Melody, because you actually have a degree in this. Um, but uh, when it comes to songwriting, and, and we mentioned, again, we won't go super detailed, but just real quick, sure. like when um, you're songwriting, let's say with two people, um, and uh, you'll, you'll fill out something called a split sheet um, sometimes, and basically a split sheet just kind of dictates like who gets what, who, who contributed what. And it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think like really when it comes to making money off of like song uh, licensing, copyrights, whatever, it's really lyrics and melody, right? Right. Like the chord progression, like if you wrote the chord progression, that doesn't mean shit Mm -mm. because everyone's used that chord progression before. But if the melody and the lyrics are original, like whoever created those is who's getting paid. So, you know, when you look up like the Beatles, right, and uh, you listen to this song and you see, oh, written by, you know, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Well, the reason you don't see George and, and Ringo there is because they probably didn't write the melody or the lyrics. And so therefore they don't get the rights. Right. And I mean, you know, that's kind of a hot topic because it depends on like your split sheet. Right. So right. bands like The Doors, they just always wrote it as like this song was written by The Doors. <laughs> right. So everybody got an equal right. percentage. But like, yeah. you know, most people aren't going to do that. <laughs> just if you wrote like the drum part, you yeah, know what I mean? Like right. you're not going to get part of the song. So yeah. just kind of, yeah, you're right. Just kind of be aware of that too. Um, so yeah, I mean, songwriting can be lucrative, but it's not, <laughs> it's not the top way. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say like, if you're just like a, an artist or a musician and you're wanting like money fast, songwriting is not the way to, t- to do that unless somebody just buys out your songs like outright which would be cool like if you're a work for hire songwriter but right right but then you don't get any of the copyright pushback so that kind of sucks yeah, you know what i mean yeah. so so kind of you know i would say this one's a slow slow grow <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know generally and obviously we're talking like for the average musician, there's always going to be an exception to any of these that we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Okay. So kind of the same as songwriting, but a little different would be, uh, producing, mm-hmm. right. Um, producing is generally like you do pay a fee for it, like work for hire. Right. If you're hiring a producer, but then they can also, depending on what they add, they can get splits of like the masters. Yep. Or sometimes yep. the song, like if they contribute to the melody and lyrics, like we were talking about, they can get a split of that too. Yes, exactly. So, it, you know, it totally depends for this one, but I would say this one is definitely a good way to make money up front compared yeah. to just like songwriting. Cause you do generally get like a fee, you know, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. um, the, the split percentages for producers are generally called points. So if you ever hear anybody say like, I want two points on this album, they're, they're talking about a percentage split. So um, like two percent, right? Okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, and producing. Sorry, sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, producing. We've mentioned this before. Can mean a couple different things now, because um, producing can also mean like if you're in if you're in like the hip hop or like modern R and B industry, it means actually creating the track too. So like you may not write the lyrics and the melody, but you might actually do all the composition and arrangement for everything else. Um, and, and that is a form of production. So again, I believe that is a flat fee usually. Um, I, I mean, in my experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the thing with this is, I mean, if you want to give them a split, you can, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. if that's your agreement. Um, but I mean, you don't have to, like, you know what I mean? Like it all depends on what you agree to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like this is, this is all, you know, like <laughs> super gray. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Foggy. Yeah, it's all it's all contractual, kind of like we were talking about earlier, like it depends on leverage. And obviously, if you hire, I don't know, if you hire Jay-Z to produce your next album, he's probably going to get a hefty fee, a lot of points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. so, you know, but if you hire like your friend George, like he, he'll probably just like make the track for George you for Z. like, yeah, he'll just make the track for you for like 80 bucks and not care about a split. Right. So yeah. like, you know, it just depends. I mean, that you know, that's a little gray. Um, but I mean, so like you were talking about producers can also, um, I mean, in a production and we talked about this in another video, you can hire like the engineer 
to do, um, you know, the engineering for the session. Right. Right. Like, like you were saying in hip hop and in certain genres, like the producer is usually also the engineer. But when it comes to like full band recordings and like miking drum kits and amps, Mm -hmm. usually in my experience, you just hire an engineer and and a producer and they just kind of work in tandem yeah right. yeah mm-hmm. yeah the producer tells the engineer what he wants and the engineer sets it up they're, they're in charge yeah exactly they're they're more of like the the science you know and the math behind all, all the stuff you hear on a record you know like they they know which mic to use because this has you know super cardioid so it's going to be great for this particular you know sound wave um you know knowing how to organize a session knowing how to edit uh flex time and and um like pitch correction and stuff you know that that I mean, there, there can be some, some good money in engineering. Um, problem is nowadays, most people can record at home. So, you know, uh, it gets a little bit iffier that way. Yeah. I mean, I think engineer, in my experience, right, because I had a deal with a studio for a while and I, I paid the engineer myself mm. and their fee was like 25 an hour. Oh, wow. That's actually like pretty, pretty low yeah. for yeah, yeah. engineering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they were kind of my friend too. <laughs> well, oh <laughs> yeah, like, the friend rate. Yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. helps. Yeah, that yeah. definitely yeah. helps. But I mean, sure. so so what? where I was going with that is you can get paid hourly being an engineer. You usually are paid hourly. Mm-hmm. So that's nice, you know, because it's not per job because some people just fuck around in their studio sessions right, and right. you never get the job done. Yeah. So like engineering, I definitely recommend it being hourly. Um, you know, I've had so many experiences like uh, projects that I've just been like observing or even a part of where like, you know, people are like re- finishing the songs in the studio. Yeah. And so, you know, like if you're doing it per job, it's going to be really hard to make money as an engineer. So make sure that you do hourly. Yes. Um, you need to be a technical person to do it. Um, you have to be very specific about um, you know, uh, what you're looking for sound wise, uh, the room, mic placement, all of that kind of stuff. So lot, lots of science, lots of math. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, really good engineers. I, <laughs> miking a drum kit, they just like take out their measuring tape and like, yeah, they do. They get into it, man. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. And, and I, I've, I will say this, I've heard a lot of, a lot of engineers that I've talked to anyway, have said, uh, cause a lot of them went to school for it. Um, and a lot of them have said, man, honestly, like the school didn't really teach me all that much. It was the on the job experience. And I can say personally, like as a session musician, that's definitely the case. Uh, I learned a lot more just doing it than I did going to school for it. But, um, you know, if you really, really want to get into it, like doing some type of maybe like 10 month to 12 month like cert- certification might not be a bad idea because you can definitely learn some like industry standard tricks. Um, but the biggest thing is to like start interning, getting into studio and just like getting your hands dirty for sure. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the certifications can definitely look good on a resume for like an internship. But I mean, it's the music industry. So like just because you have a degree doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that, anything. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, engineering can also, quick side note, can also apply to, um, to live sound as well. So, um, you know, there's, I know most studio engineers that I know have dabbled in live sound and vice versa. Um, cause there are, there is some crossover. It's completely different territory, but, but there is some crossover. So another thing you could do is, is just running live sound for a venue. And honestly, you might be able to, to, to have a more consistent work doing that because venues always need engineers and there are a lot of people out there that really suck at it. So I would say it's a lot <laughs> easier to get into live sound than studio too. For sure. So yeah. maybe that would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Kind of get your your toes wet. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. you know, so another um, technical job, well, a couple more technical jobs, um, transcribing. Yep. So you yep. really need to have a really solid music theory knowledge base. Um, to to do this and a great ear yeah it's tough really good transcribing is really hard so you need to definitely know like how to read sheet music um how to do guitar tabs um basic rhythms difficult rhythms it depends on what you're transcribing right right you know just a music theory knowledge is is really important yeah you know like you need to be able to hear in a song that the bass player is hammering on and not sliding or that the guitar player is bending and not you know, using a whammy bar or something like that. Right. Yeah. Transcribing's technical, but if you really enjoy that kind of stuff, um, 
it can be a good way to make money. I mean, certain facilities will pay you hourly to do it. Certain people will just pay you a set fee per song. Um, so I would say it's it's a good way to make money. It's a little bit like session work in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't like, unless you're really like going for it, I wouldn't bet my whole like mortgage payment on transcription. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But, you know, it could be a good way to make some extra money. And then uh, people who do dedicate their whole lives to their job would be like luthiers and technicians. Mm. Right. So this would be like, you want to master this craft. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily look at this as like a side job unless you, you know, are just doing little projects. Right. Because you definitely need to have like a lot of, um, just like knowledge and experience, um, with instrument repair. Um, by the way, a luthier is a instrument repair person. For those or that builder, don't know. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, you know, experience is really the most important thing with this. Um, I would say just start working at a shop. Like you could honestly just become like the repair person at your local guitar center to start. And then um, you can kind of build your way up to maybe working. Apprenticing. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. And the, or, you know, like working for a shop that specializes in that, I would say is you know, kind of a a step up from that. Mm -hmm. But honestly, it's dealing with um, wood. (laughs) So experience is going to be like the key there. So um, this one is almost like you kind of have to do it like as a whole thing. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't say this is like a side job, but it is music related and you can make good money, really good money doing it. Um, it's kind of hard to build up a base. It's going to be word yeah. of mouth again. Mm-hmm. Um, way easier to just get paid hourly at a facility, but obviously then you're just getting paid hourly and you're not keeping all the money. Or on commission. Right. Yeah, yeah, So, um, you know, kind of if that's something that sounds really interesting to you, look more into it. Yeah. Um, I will say too, and, I, and you've done this, so you can probably speak on this way better than, than I could, obviously, but... It, out of all these jobs we've lifted, listed so far, this is probably the one you're going to be least appreciated for because <laughs> you're going to have yeah. so many blues lawyers coming in. So, oh, it doesn't play like Joe Bonamassa's guitar. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You know, like, no, it doesn't because you're not fucking Joe Bonamassa. Yeah. But people don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. So you're probably going to catch a lot of shit from, from customers. It's definitely like, unfortunately, a big customer service kind of job yeah. too because um, you're you know, you're looking for like, they're looking for specific things that they want in their instrument and you're just trying to make them happy. And Mm -hmm. that's really hard to do. I mean, you guys know. Yeah. If you you work customer service at all or (laughs) ever have, you understand. Yeah. They're like, I wanted my action to be 30 millimeters. from, (laughs) And I'm just like, well, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, like they'll read something online and they'll like, come in with like all these measurements that they want you know and they're just like this is exactly how i want it and i'm like well you bought a 30 dollar guitar so yeah (laughs) you know we're gonna have to like lower your expectations a little bit do you want to actually be able to play it right exactly (laughs) you know so i mean yeah this one's a whole thing but um (laughs) it it can make you you know a sustainable living and if if, at the very least if you learn some of the basics like and you're also a player it'll save you money because now you know how to do a very basic setup on your instrument. You don't have to pay someone to do it all the time. So there, there's some benefit to be taken. Yeah. And then, you know, so too, there's like kind of getting away from the luthier thing for a minute. Mm-hmm. Kind of look into that more if that sounds interesting to you, because that could be a whole episode. We'll just we should talk do that shit sometime. about people. We should, <laughs> we'll get like, we should have we'll get uh, Dylan, Dylan or something. Or Gavin yeah. On, yeah. Okay. So non-music related um, jobs well, I say they're they're in the music industry, but they're yeah. not like directly related to like playing something or fixing an instrument or something. Right. So you can um, manage artists. Um, usually, for that, you get a percentage of the income they make. So yeah. choose that wisely. Like, I think the standard is like fifteen to twenty percent. Right. Yeah. I mean, it totally depends. But yeah, I mean, to be like a personal manager, you're gonna work your ass off. So be really yeah. careful about like choosing your artists for this one. Yeah, if they're not working sure. hard and they're not making money, you're not gonna make money, and you know that whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yep, but yep. then something that you can do, like 
as just kind of a normal um, musician. You can kind of do like marketing for yourself and marketing for other people. So we'll just kind of lump those together. But Mm -hmm. marketing for other people, basically what I mean is like helping another artist out with their website, like optimizing their SEO on Google, which Mm -hmm. is like search engine optimization. Um, you know, doing graphic design, making posters for other artists. If you really are good at design and you have a good eye, like consider doing that because that would be work for hire stuff too. Right. You right. get a fee for that. Um, so that would be cool. Um, you can advise other artists. Um, maybe that would be a percentage or a fee. I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, some kind of consulting of some sort, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of help artists. You should, you know, go create TikToks. George, you know, <laughs> what's with George? Man? I don't know, man. He was the example I used earlier. So I'm George just, is getting around. <laughs> so, um, or you could do like video production, editing. Yep. If videos something that you really enjoy, it's still you know you can do it for other musicians. You can. It's kind of hard to do it for yourself, but I mean you can. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can definitely at least the editing side. You know, you can definitely like. I mean, I know a lot of. Uh, people who who edit their own um, video work or or even you know like like Dylan as we mentioned earlier um, from Gamma Star he does his own graphic design and if he wanted to he could probably do that for other people I don't know if that's something he's into but um, you know so if you're an artist who's already doing stuff like for yourself like you're designing your posters you're designing your album covers like might as well start doing it for other people too you know yeah and I mean to too like. You know, it really would help you like build community with other artists. And right. that's like so important mm-hmm. as an artist, just because like at first, a lot of people who listen to your music are going to be musicians. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, helping them out, building a relationship with them could be really, really important to growing your career as well as an artist. Yeah. Um, you know, so those are just a couple. I mean, there's way more ways to make money in the industry that we did not talk about today. That's why this video is a part one. Oh, yes. But um, yeah, we may get into more like of the music industry stuff in another video. Today, we kind of primarily talked about like how to do it as a musician, like, you know, like as an artist, how to kind of make money. But we could do a whole industry one of different um, jobs that you could have. Um, So, you know, most musicians don't they're not great at industry stuff yeah so, right right you know right. take those with a you know with what you will but um it can be a good way to make money build community um you know develop an understanding of the industry um so if that sounds interesting to you check those out as well thank you so much for listening to this episode of sex drugs and disappointment if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on instagram and tiktok at sdd podcast each episode is also available in video format on youtube and don't forget have fun don't do too much and it's gonna happen Touch